morning we return to our series on the Beatitudes of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are third Beatitude now. And so if you would turn your Bibles at home to Matthew chapter 5, I'd like to read the, the first five verses, focusing our attention this morning on verse 5. Matthew chapter 5, I'll begin reading here at verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he, that is Jesus, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And that's going to be our uh, focus this morning on this third beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And now as some Old Testament background, turn back in your Bibles to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, I'd like to read the first 11 verses here of Psalm 37. David, the psalmist, writes, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your hearts. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Keep your thumb there in Psalm 37. We will return to that passage, but we'll be flipping through God's Word this morning looking at various passages that help us understand what it means to be the meek. Might makes right. Survival of the fittest. If you can't keep up, then get out of the way. Does these sound familiar? These are the mantras. These are the slogans. This is the basic belief system of many in our world, many in our culture today, who are so convinced that power always wins out. But meekness... Humility, well, they're nothing but weakness. Brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus, it's true that many in our society think they know better than our Lord Jesus Christ. And they conclude that happiness is attained not through humility, not through meekness, but through self-assertion, through hard work, through the accumulation of stuff, the accumulation of wealth and influence. That's true happiness according to the world. That's true blessedness. Well, over the last several months, we've been examining Jesus' Beatitudes, and we've, we've noticed that one important uh, 
one important principle, one important idea really unites all of the Beatitudes together, and that is this, that these are kingdom characteristics. These are our kingdom attitudes. They belong to the children of God who walk to the beat of a very different drum, so to speak. Scripture tells us that as believers, uh, we are new creatures in Christ. Our new nature stands in stark contrast to the old nature, the way we used to be. We are told, as we read in in Galatians 5 earlier, that we are those who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and so we, we don't follow the spirit of this age. We're marked, we're set apart by a very different set of attitudes and and characteristics and desires than the rest of the world around us. And therefore, in this third beatitude, Jesus teaches us that it is meekness, not power, not prestige, not self-assertion, but meekness that is the mark of the blessed man and the blessed woman. And yet for many of us, even as believers, meekness is really a neglected attribute of the Christian life. The word meek is is not a word that we use very often in our everyday conversation. Perhaps some of you don't even know what meekness is, how to define it. Well, this morning we're going to do several things. First, we're going to explore together a definition of meekness. We're going to identify the meek. And secondly, we're going to explore how we as God's people can begin to grow in meekness according to the will and the Word of God. We're going to understand together what it means to become the meek. First, we're going to identify the meek. As I was preparing this sermon, I came across an old British television comedy whose main character was a a very wealthy widow who was very used to getting her own way. And in one particular episode of this show, her pastor, who was desperately trying to instill some humility in this this rich, uh, wealthy, proud widow, and he says to the widow, remember, dear woman, as Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And the widow quickly responds and says, and as I never cease to remind you, pastor, the meek don't even want it. You see, there's an old joke that says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth if that's okay with the rest of you. We find that funny because deep down, so many of us think that meekness is synonymous with weakness. Many of us think that when we boil it down, the meek are those people who have no backbone, no ambition in life, no drive. The meek are just doormats for the powerful and the influential to wipe their feet upon as they they ascend the social and corporate and political ladder to the top. Well, perhaps we need to look at this beatitude of meekness with fresh eyes this morning. What exactly is meekness? Why does Jesus identify meekness as something that should characterize the blessed man and the blessed woman. How are we to identify this kingdom attribute of meekness? 
Well, first, it's important for us to notice that this third beatitude, this beatitude of meekness, really follows from the first two that we've already explored. There's sort of a logical order of application in these first several beatitudes. We've noticed together that taken as a whole, the Beatitudes call us to see ourselves as we really are, to see God as He really is, and then to live in light of that reality. In other words, if we are poor in spirit, that first Beatitude, if we are aware of our internal lack of resources, that we need to look to God for everything, for salvation and life, if we're poor in spirit, then we are also going to be those who mourn the second Beatitude. We're going to be those who mourn over our sins. We're going to seek God's forgiveness wholeheartedly. Likewise, if we are poor in spirit, if we are those who mourn, then we are also those who have a right estimate of ourselves before the face of God. We will be those who don't think too highly of ourselves. But rather, like Paul says in Romans 12, verse 3, we will regard ourselves with sober judgment. And brothers and sisters, that in a nutshell is meekness. That's meekness. Having a proper, proper estimate of ourselves before a holy God. That's one side of the coin of meekness. But there's another aspect. The meek also have a, a proper estimate of themselves before others around them. You see, if we see ourselves with proper humility in light of our sin before the face of God, well, that's going to directly affect the way we treat others, including our neighbors and, and our friends and our family members, and yes, the way we treat our enemies as well. And so if you want to know how to define meekness this morning in light of the first two Beatitudes that we already looked at, it might look something like this, a helpful definition provided by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Meekness is a humble and gentle attitude towards others based on a true or right estimate of ourselves. I'll say it one more time. Meekness is a humble and gentle attitude towards others based on a true or right estimate of ourselves. If we have a right estimate of ourselves, before God and before others, we're going to care far less about our own reputation and far more about the honor of God's name and the good of our neighbors. Well, already with this simple definition in hand, we're beginning to see just how difficult it might be for us to demonstrate meekness in our lives. Perhaps that's why we don't use this word very often or don't, don't explore its meaning very often. You see, meekness doesn't come to us naturally, does it? We uh, tend to be very quick to, to promote our own honor, to defend our own reputation far more than we are eager to defend God's name and the dignity of others. We love to get defensive, don't we? When someone points out our failures and our sins, even if we know they have a valid point, you might say, I... Acknowledge and confess my sin before God. I'm willing to do that. Thank you very much. But I don't need you pointing it out to me. But that's not the meekness, brothers and sisters, that God desires of us. For the meek person 
handles genuine criticism from others with a gracious and humble attitude. Meek Christians appreciate the helpful guidance that other concerned Christians might give. The meek respond positively, not defensively, to the help of others with the humility that comes from having a right estimate of ourselves before the holiness and perfection of God. Well, this definition of meekness really takes shape as we look at other portions of God's Word where, where the Bible explains what meekness involves. In James 1.21, we read, for example, that, that meekness should characterize the way that we receive God's Word, uh, even when it points out our sin and our need for Jesus Christ. In James 1.21, James writes this, he says, "'Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted Word, which is able to save your souls." The word here for meekness is the same word that Jesus uses in, in Matthew chapter 5. What is, Paul, what is um, he saying here? What is James saying? He's saying that those who are meek willingly and humbly accept the Word of God, even as it exposes our sin, even as it shows us our pride in comparison to the, the perfection of God and His holiness. In Paul's chapter to the Colossians, in chapter 3, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says that our meekness has to do with our relationship with one another as believers in the church. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. You see, if we have a right estimate of ourselves before the holiness of God, we're going to demonstrate that humility, that meekness, as we interact with one another on a daily basis, even as we willingly accept the correction of brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, that being said, we mustn't accept the world's lie that meekness is weakness. Because true meekness, in fact, combines godly humility with a great boldness to stand for God's truth in the midst of opposition. It's the kind of attitude that we are to have as we go out into the world, as we rub shoulders with unbelievers, as we defend God's truth, the truth of His Word, before the lost. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, the Apostle Paul urges, or Peter rather, urges Christians to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that they have as believers. He says you're to be ready, you're to be skilled to give a bold confession of faith before a watching and a wicked world. And yet, Peter says, that our bold confession should be given with meekness and humility and respect. And so on one hand, brothers and sisters, the meek are tender. They're tender. They are, they are conscious of their own sin and shortcomings. They are not those who boast in themselves. But the meek are also bold. The meek are eager 
to take up God's banner, to take up His cause, to take up His word, and to defend it with their very lives. The meek are those who boast, but they make their boast in Jesus Christ. The meek come to the aid of the oppressed. The meek seek justice. They promote the honor and the reputation of others. Why? Because they value God's Word. They value the dignity of life, and so they value the needs of others before their own. And so, boys and girls, as you're listening this morning, how might meekness look on the playground at school? If a classmate drops his lunch and it scatters all over the playground and, and friends gather around to point and laugh, what will your response be? Will you help him? Will you defend him, even if it's not the popular thing to do? Moms and dads, when your co-workers scoff at your Christian witness in the workplace? Are you willing to accept their ridicule for the sake of Christ? Are you ready and willing to have your reputation tarnished for the sake of Christ, for defending His name and defending His Word? You see, the meek do not assert their own rights above all, but they very humbly, very quietly go about their business to do the work of God and to serve their neighbors. One last thing that we must notice as we identify the meek, and that is this, that Jesus, there in Matthew 5, is borrowing words from Psalm 37, which I read earlier. Specifically, Jesus is quoting verse 11 here, that the, the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. And we're going to look at that verse in more depth very soon here to see what it means that the meek will inherit the earth. But it's important to notice first that before David, the psalmist, sets out this wonderful promise for the meek that they would inherit the earth, he also sets forth some commands. Especially in verses 3 through 7, he calls us as God's people to trust God with our whole hearts, even though it seems like the wicked around us flourish and threaten our rights as believers. In the midst of that opposition, David says, we should trust the Lord and continue to do good. Look at some of the commands here in Psalm 37. Look at verse 4. David says, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. Verse 7, be still before the Lord, wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way. And then verse 11, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. According to David, who are the meek? Who are the meek? The meek are those who trust the Lord. They are those who delight themselves in Him and His Word. The meek commit their way and their rights to the Lord. And so they can rest upon the Lord. They can wait upon God to act on their behalf. These are the truly blessed servants of God. And Jesus says to them, to the meek, belong the wonderful promise that they will inherit the earth. Well, we've spent some time 
looking at how the Bible identifies and defines and describes the meek. And we are told that we are the meek as those who are united to Christ by faith. We are also those who are called to be the meek, to, to continually grow in our meekness. But how do we do that? How do we strive more and more to become the meek? How do we make progress in meekness as believers? Well, I'd like to identify just three ways, finally, as in which we as God's people become the meek. First, and most importantly, we become the meek as we rely in faith upon our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the perfect model of meekness. We rely in faith upon our Lord Jesus, who's the perfect model of meekness. As we read the Scriptures, we find so many individuals that are not only great examples of faith to us, but great examples of meekness. We think of godly servants like Abraham and David and Jeremiah, all who, who left their home and their possessions, and they followed the call of God wherever He brought them. They had little care for their own honor and reputation. They went out to follow God's call and His command. We think of Moses, who was called the meekest man of all, the meekest man on the face of the earth. And yet we know that these meek individuals of history did not exist for us to praise them and their meekness and their faithfulness. And in fact, their meekness was less than perfect. So each one of them actually pointed in a very special way to the greatest example of humility combined with boldness that ever existed. All of these men of faith and women of faith as well were forerunners of our Lord Jesus Christ who is a per picture-perfect example of meekness. Think with me for a moment of our meek Savior, Jesus Christ. During His entire ministry on earth, our Lord Jesus faced the hatred of mankind. And He suffered willingly under the yoke of our sin. And He suffered in utter silence. In Isaiah 53, verse 7, we read that, that Jesus suffered like a silent lamb before the slaughter. And that is marvelous to think of. He's the glorious king of heaven. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth, and yet he chose to ride into, ride into Jerusalem clothed in humility and meekness. Our Lord had all power and authority to destroy his puny enemies. He had all glory in heaven and earth, and he had the right to claim it. And yet he remained silent in obedience to God the Father, so that He could earn our salvation. And there on the cross, when He finally did open His mouth, He did not speak to defend His own honor. He did not speak to curse His enemies. He opened His mouth to pray, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Our Lord Jesus, the meekest of all, bore all the indignity of the entire world in order to bring you to God. 
in order to make you and me alive in Him. But He was also bold in His meekness. Our Lord Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe the gospel. Out of zeal for the honor and holiness of God, he went into the temple and he drove out the money changers. And we read in 1 Peter 2, 21, that Christ left an example for us in the meekness of his suffering that we might follow in his steps. Now, of course, our Lord Jesus is not merely an example, not just an example. He was meek and mild. He suffered in dignity so that He might justify us, that He might actually save us and, and bring us to God. He actually paid the penalty for our sin that we deserve. He earned a righteousness for us that we receive by faith. Yes, our Lord Jesus was perfectly meek and mild on our behalf so that you and I could be made sons and daughters of God. And the wonderful news, brothers and sisters, is that He continues to intercede before God with His righteousness for us. And He has given us His Holy Spirit, and He's working by that Spirit in our hearts so that you and I are growing. We are becoming meek Christian men and women as God is conforming us more and more to the image of His meek Son, our meek Savior, Jesus. And so first, how do we become meek? We rely in faith upon our Lord Jesus, who is the perfect model of meekness. But second, we are becoming meek as we entrust ourselves to our faithful Heavenly Father, who promises to meet all of our needs. We entrust ourselves to our Heavenly Father who promises to meet and provide all that we need. You see, dear saints, ultimately as the meek, we don't need to defend ourselves in the face of our opponents because we have the best counsel, we have the best lawyer, so to speak, in heaven and on earth, our Lord Jesus and His Father. God says in Romans 12, 19, don't take vengeance. Don't get revenge. Don't take justice upon yourselves. Leave it to the Lord. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Ultimately, we don't need to be concerned about what others think of us. We can be contented to know that though we are great sinners, we are loved by an even greater love of our heavenly Father. And with that kind of love being poured into our lives on a daily basis in rich measure, what does it matter what others think of us? The fierceness of our enemies, the trials of this life, they certainly may rattle us for a time, but they are ultimately of no importance whatsoever. We are so loved by God, we are so secure in Jesus Christ that we can entrust ourselves, place ourselves in the hand of our Heavenly Father, and we can endure any trial for the sake of God's glory. We will grow in meekness as we commit ourselves, as we commit our cause and our rights to our faithful Heavenly Father who can defend us 
who can vindicate us, who can perfectly provide for our needs. And so we grow in meekness as we desire the pleasure and the acceptance of God more than the acceptance and the praise of men. Finally, we grow in meekness as we meditate upon the wonderful promise that Christ attaches to this beatitude. We meditate upon the promise uh, of Jesus' beatitude. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They shall inherit the earth. It's important for us to remember that Christ's promises are meant to spur us on to greater obedience. We are motivated more and more to to honor God and to serve Him with our lives. We are motivated to grow in meekness and to demonstrate that kingdom characteristic. We're motivated by this beautiful promise that lies before us here, although at first glance it might seem like an odd promise. The meek will inherit the earth? Usually it's the the self-seeking power grabbers that want to rule the earth, like the woman from that British television comedy, uh, Pastor, the meek shall inherit the earth, the meek don't even want the earth. That's not what they're interested in. So what is this land that Jesus is promising to all of His meek servants? Again, it's important to remember that Jesus is quoting here from Psalm 37. It's a psalm of David, and I encourage you to read that psalm in its entirety for your noon devotions. In this psalm, David repeats over and over and over again this wonderful promise that the righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. What is this land that we're going to inherit, that that the psalmist so greatly rejoices in? Well, certainly it was most natural for David to recall the wonderful promise of God that he had given to his covenant people, Israel. What had God promised them? Well, God had promised Abraham. God had promised Abraham's descendants that he would secure a piece of land for them to dwell upon. God's people longed for a place that God would give them that they could call their own where they could grow their families, where they could worship the Lord, where they could dwell securely and in peace as His covenant people. And God provided that land for Israel. God's people enjoyed the rich and beautiful promised land flowing with milk and honey, but they enjoyed that land for only a very short time. None of the heroes of Israel's history, those recounted in Hebrews 11, ever saw that literal piece of land in its full glory, and many of them enjoyed it only for a short time. And so we're told that they actually longed for something better than that physical plot of land in modern Palestine. The promise that the saints of old received from God, the promise they hoped for, was the promise of a heavenly land. That is what they pursued, something that they would inherit by faith that would never tarnish, would never be lost. We read in Hebrews 11 and 13 that they longed for a better country, a heavenly country, an enduring city that is still coming. 
that we're still looking forward to. And that's our longing as well. That's the substance of Jesus' promise to us that God gives to all of His meek servants. It's not a powerful position in life. It's not a luxurious piece of earthly real estate. It's something far better, far more eternal. It's the new heavens and the new earth itself where we will dwell with Christ eternally. That's what we are promised, that we will inherit as Christ's meek servants who now for time must live as strangers on the earth. We realize that right now we're passing through. And the world's judgment of us is likely to be negative most of the time. But that is of no account for Christ's meek servants. What truly matters is how God regards us. What matters is the inheritance that Christ keeps safe for us, our heavenly inheritance. And so what a beautiful promise God has given to all of His meek servants that though our suffering may last for a while, we can be assured that when Christ returns, we will share in the riches of His land. For Christ, He is the firstborn of all creation. He's the true and rightful heir of God's eternal kingdom. And as those who belong to Him by faith, that land is ours too. We share in that land with our brother Jesus. We receive His kingdom that He has bought and paid for. And we're promised that we will reign with Him there forever and ever. These are sure, steadfast promises that we can hold on to. These are the promises for those who bear His name right now with meekness, with humility, until we finally take possession of the inheritance of the whole world. May that promise encourage you as you too grow in the meekness and humility as a kingdom disciple of Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we have considered your blessing upon the meek today. And we recognize that so often we are not meek. We are quick to defend our own honor and reputation. And yet you call us to be humble, to have a right estimate of ourselves before your face, to recognize that we are sinners, that before your holiness we have a great need of forgiveness and grace. Well, Lord, you call us to have a right estimate of ourselves not only before you, but also before others. That we would humbly accept each other's correction and advice. We're called to be concerned with defending one another's honor and dignity before our own reputations. Oh Lord, we confess we are not as meek as we should be, but we know that you are working in us by your Holy Spirit to make us meek. Thank you for sanctifying us, for making us holy. We know that daily you are causing us to rely more and more on you, to know that you will defend us perfectly so that we do not have to defend ourselves. And you place us 
before us the, the wonderful promise of the inheritance of the entire world that awaits us. We long for that return, O Christ, when all these things will become reality, when faith will become sight. But before that day comes, O Lord, work in us. Make us to be the meek, that we would be humble, yet bold in our confession of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name, our mild Savior who is coming again with power and with majesty, with the kingdom that He has secured for all of His meek servants. It's in His name that we pray, amen. For our song.